better than this. Guys, we and dudes here on the Draft News Podcast, presented by Lockdown. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network. We are your hosts here on this Monday episode of the show. Kyle, football is cranking up his padded practices across the league. And, oh, by the way, Mock Draft 1.0 from Kyle Krabs is up at thedraftnetwork.com. Happy Monday to you. Thank you very much. As you said, mock draft is up, padded practices. Uh, are, are we like Texas? Yeah, n- well, no, we ain't. We're, we're not kind of back. We, we, we're back. We're actually back. Yeah. We're like Minnesota, you know? The, the Gophers or the Vikings? <laughs> the Gophers, I don't know. Were they ever, were they ever there? Did Minnesota ever have good years of football? They have now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, boy. Listen, before we start, I want to give a shout-out to a specific fan base. I have found the first fan base in the history of mock drafts that is cool with taking a running back in the first round. Really? Okay, so you had the Falcons doing it. Is it Atlanta? Yeah, they're all about it. Every you know bit what? of feedback they- that I got was like, ETN would be so fun in this offense. You know what it comes down to, I think, because I've done a lot of work on on Atlanta recently. Their rushing offense, the it's pitiful. Yeah, the last two years, 30th both years. Yikes. Yeah, it's bad. 27 the year before that. So they've gone 27, 30, 30 in rush offense. <laughs> so they're they're gotta be thinking, man, we're throwing the football over the damn yard. You we're know, ready for anything. <laughs> yeah. Any competency at all, we're welcoming it. And they got it with Travis Etienne. That's their first spoiler here. Etienne went 16 to the Falcons. <laughs> well, we should, that's good. Hey, look, those are good, uh, like, internal trade secrets, you know, for, for the yes. mock draft writers. Like, yes. it's safe, guys. It's safe. You can do this. Just You're put, not going to get reamed all day. If you don't want to see Etienne, like, coming off the board early round two, just drop where Atlanta, wherever Atlanta is <laughs> picking in the first round, and they'll be cool with it. <laughs> I'll tell you, the Bucks did not appreciate it when I gave them uh, ETN a couple of weeks ago. I had, uh, I bet not. Yeah, I had them at twenty-seven. <laughs> they were picking. I gave them ETN. I'm like, look, there's a lot of qu- quantity here with these backs, but there's no quality. I like a game-changing, explosive back to go yeah. with these outside weapons to give Brady that guy that can, you know, turn quick flare routes into touchdowns. Like, is this not a good X factor for a fo- football team that's trying to like seize this moment? Right. This is the definition of a luxury pick for a team in a win-now window. <laughs> They're like, oh, but we have Raymond Calais and TJ Logan and Dario Gumboale and Shady McCoy and Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't have Travis Etienne. Their perspective is it's anybody besides Peyton Barber, so they think it's good. (laughs) Oh, man. Good start to the podcast, Kyle. I got questions for you on this puppy, Okay, great. Let's go. Let's let's dig in. Yeah. Um, All right. So you got the Panthers, right? Justin Fields, number three overall, love the pick, right? I want to know for you, when you think about the Panthers picking high in the draft, you know, let's say they don't have the number one pick. Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence is off the board. What is it about Justin Fields and this in Trey Lance's prospects that makes you think Fields is the right one for them to pick? Um, so you watch Justin Fields at Ohio State, and you think about – the spacing concepts that they put into play so frequently. And I think it's the level of competition helps because uh, they have comparable athletic traits and, and throwing quality. They're both very gifted arms. 
but Fields in the Ohio State offense projecting that into Joe Brady where so much of Ohio State was find soft spaces, attack soft spaces, and, and they, they ran a lot of vertical stems that had guys, you know, running up the same tunnel and, and breaking off and manipulating zone uh, man match and, and man coverage. And I just thought Fields has checked more boxes from a passing mentality and perspective uh, that I like him going to an offense that is going to put a lot into the lap of the quarterback and say, hey, we're going to – it's going to be complex, but it's also going to be simple, if that makes sense, where we're going to spread the – we're going to make it very easy for you, but, you know, there, there's going to be uh, a, a level of mastery here required where you're going to have to, like, pick this up and hum on soft space, soft space, where's soft space. Don't rely too much on your athleticism. And I thought Lance fell back on his athletic ability a little bit more than Justin Fields did. That's a good way to frame it. I mean, that's, that's really what this Brady offense is. It's a lot of concepts, but it really is where's the space. And I do think you make a good point there where it's, it's compelling to consider Fields in that type of pedigree making that, that shift. So, all right. No, cool. no mention for the second round pick. I have to see what it is. I'm going to react to it right now. I don't oh, know what you it haven't is. looked at the second. No, round. I did, but I don't remember it. I was like, oh. I woke up at like 7.15. And I'm like, oh, I want to see Kyle's mock. Pick 35. Yeah, you know, I just looked at the Bills picked and shut it down. So, pick 35. Oh, yeah, for sure. Love it. Now you got to fix the cornerback room with the <laughs> with the remaining picks. So. Josh Myers at yeah. 35. Yeah, so uh, two yeah, shout out to, guys here. Shout out to Kyle, the, the two rounds to this puppy. So, make sure you click on that second page. What an idiot I am. I'm going to have to do um, two rounds every mock yeah, the rest of the way now. Yeah, weird, weird move. You set a weird precedent for yourself. but I set know, the bar high, though. You did, but the, you know, look, you don't have to write the analysis, so it's right. It's just make the picks. Yeah, and and sometimes, look, I as a mock draft writer, I do think it helps to show that second pick because fans will get just so stuck on whatever that player is, and you're like, you've you've inevitably not addressed every need that they have <laughs> with, with with one, one pick. pick. No, yeah. you mean teams have more than one need? Weird, I know, and more than one pick. So it, you kind of give yourself that opportunity to start, to start showing the full puzzle. And so if they're pissed, if they need a receiver and an offensive tackle, you get a chance to give them both of those things as opposed to just one. And then, you know, the, the fan base or the fans that think the other needs more important, you know, they're, they're back on track. So I think, um, I think you did a good thing here and, and another good insider trading secret there. So I've, there's a couple insider trading secrets here, including the bet online Super Bowl odds being very clearly illustrated, <laughs> but yet some people still didn't get it. Oh, you hate to see it. You hate you said to see it. A foolproof. <laughs> somebody said, Bucks playing in the Super Bowl, LOL bandwagon, despite the fact that it very clearly states that the Buccaneers have the best NFC odds tied with San Francisco. And all I really did was pick Tampa over San Francisco. And also, had somebody said, You lost me when you had the Jets picking after my Steelers. Oh, geez. They don't even know about the trade. It's Seattle's pick. Correct. That's bad. Uh, so yeah, Kyle Krabs, renowned Tampa Bay Buccaneers homer, and you know, really weird for a Bucks homer like you to pick a Falcons jersey swap for your feature image. Yeah, that's but, true. Like, but I'm you trying do, to throw him off the scent. 
<laughs> you do you. All right. Uh, I've seen this one a little bit on Twitter this morning and, and seeing uh, the questions that you've received. This Bengals pick, Jamar Chase, wide receiver, LSU. Joe Burrow gets his number one receiver from college hard. back. But listen, what, people are like, T. Higgins. And, and, T. Higgins and, Boyd. and Auden Tate. Yeah, you're good. Why? I mean, Kyle, why Jamar Chase at five? Well, let's think about, first of all, the style of offense that you're going to want to play with Joe Burrow. What did they do at LSU? Spread. They spread the field. You got Zach Taylor, a Sean McVay disciple. What do you like to do? Spread. Spread the field. So you mean to tell me you got A.J. Green in the contract year, this year, under the franchise tag, probably not coming back next year because you're not going to franchise tag him again. You got T. Higgins, Auden Tate, and Tyler Boyd. You're good with that? You want to I mean, sp- spread the field, go a bunch of 11 personnel, and you don't think you can't upgrade over. You would rather have Auden Tate and a defensive player or the second-best offensive lineman because yep. Penny Sewell's gone. Yep. Or Preach. you would make your strength a strength and have a, a stud alpha wide receiver that has already established very clear chemistry with your franchise quarterback. I didn't think it was hard. Like, Alden Tate's like the perfect wide receiver four yep. if he can't beat out T. Higgins because you've got a ton of size that can kind of be the theme for your receiver group. But I'm, Alden Tate's not stopping me from drafting Jamar Chase. I'm sorry. He's wow. not. And, and I liked on Tate a lot. I think I had a day too great on on Tate when he came out of Florida State. So this just wasn't about getting Joe Burrow his uh his number one receiver from college, Kyle. There was no, more to it. No, yeah, you look at the kind of offense they're going to play and it's a no-brainer <laughs> that you're going to want a little bit of depth because guys get hurt too. So what happens if T Higgins gets hurt? Okay, now you got on Tate, Tyler Boyd and who? John Ross, if you bring him back, who's always hurt? No thanks. You know, one other thing that I may have said if I were you in this defense of your outstanding pick, I would have said, you know what? Uh, Jamar Chase is also the best player on the board. That's also accurate at this point. <laughs> he is, right. I mean, look, I, the, I think literally – Because the four that went in front of him were Lawrence, yeah. Sewell, Fields, and Parsons. Yeah, Jamar the Chase best, is the best football yeah. player on the board at five. I 100% agree with that. Uh, Kyle, before I ask you any more questions, uh, yes. reminder, live takes on takes oh, tonight. Can't wait. Eight o'clock Eastern time. You can watch on YouTube. The Draft Network has a YouTube channel. Facebook, there's a Draft Network Facebook page. And of course, on Periscope by following at Draft Network and on the Twitter account. So just look, I didn't want to save that for the end. I want to tell people right in the middle to join us tonight. Get those live takes in. I also need to interject here. Okay. What's your show tomorrow for Locked On Bills? It's the new concept, brother. What's the name? Herd mentality. Yes. We got an email over the weekends asking was somebody asking for takes on takes and they mentioned mafia mailbag. And when I first read it, I thought that was like you had picked mafia mailbag and I was going to be real mad at you. Yeah. Because we talked at length about mafia mailbag. Three different conversations. Yeah. Right. And when I first read it, I was like steaming mad that like, he, he called it Mafia Mailbag. I'm like, oh, my God, Joe picked this, the worst name that he possibly could. And we talked about how bad it is. How did he pick this name? Man, Kyle, I, I'm on Lockdown Bills today. I said that I consulted with people that I respect and, uh, and trust on branding. And now well, people are going to know it's freaking you. 
well, the good news is you don't respect me, so there's no – you didn't tip your hand at all here. You're fine. Well, I, to- I just said that I talked to you three times about it. Right, but you also said you talked to people whose yeah. viewpoints on branding you respect. That's not me. So <laughs> I don't respect – I think that's selling yourself low, but I did I, – I spoke to one other person. So – and actually that person didn't have herd mentality in their top five, so – all right. Uh, next thing I have here that was compelling to me as I navigated through this mock draft is at number, is it 12? No, 13, the Chargers pick, right? So mm-hmm. you have them going with Wyatt Davis, offensive guard, Ohio State. Yes. This brings us back to our discussion and when we were stacking the board and as a TDN scouting staff and where yes. to put Wyatt Davis and thinking about these other offensive tackles. And I think the Chargers have massive, and I mean massive needs at both left tackle and left guard, whatever spot, you know, I think Trey Turner is going to be the right guard. So I think that they have huge holes. So what, what gave you the desire to give them Davis over a tackle? I know Leatherwood's off the board in this scenario, but Cosme, Raduns, you went with the guard. I went with the guard because I wanted the player who I felt had the best opportunity to stabilize a position. So you look at Cosme, and he's all upside in traits, and, and he's, he hasn't really put that dominant season together yet. You look at Dylan Radunes, and he needs more weight room strength, and he played in an FCS school. And then you got Wyatt Davis, who's playing smash mouth, punch you in the face, but also zone concepts. So he can do a little bit of both, and he's doing it at the highest level, and he is very technically sound and ready for the pro game so as I'm thinking about the charters it's like okay we're gonna have a young quarterback in Justin Herbert stepping in at quarterback first of all keeping pressure out of his face is key because you think about a lot of his warts at Oregon and some of the decision making and kind of the rigidness under pressure and a lot of that comes when he's staring in the face so I want to have as good of an interior trio as I possibly can to keep it clean in front of him so he could stand tall in the pocket or step up into the pocket if rushers are beating their tackles around the outside but I also I wanted a hit and I feel much better about Wyatt Davis being a hit than I did either Cosme who's very gifted obviously he went in the first round of my mind he went 32 to Kansas City and Radunes is the same thing but there's this big jump in level of competition I think Wyatt Davis is a cleaner projection to make sure I am going to take care of one of these offensive line spots that the Chargers need filled so desperately. I like it. Yeah, I think Davis is – Davis at guard is just a better prospect than the tackle options. Right. You can say whatever you want about the positional value, and I can't debate that. Offensive tackles, there's a reason why they get paid so much more, right? Mm -hmm. You're playing on an island. That's a lot of responsibility. There's no question that is true. But I think Wyatt Davis and his level of play at guard is that much better than the current resumes, not the potentials, but the current resumes of the remaining offensive tackles. Because as you said, two tackles in the top 10, Leatherwood's off the board. I'm going with a guy I think is going to step in and I'm going to feel as confident as I possibly can that he's going to be a plus starter for me right away. Let's talk about this Vikings pick. Uh, what number is it? 19. 19. You have the Vikings going Rashad Bateman, wide receiver, Minnesota. Um, and I, I think back on this stretch that they've had with T. Lynn and Diggs, which is mm-hmm. now broken up, and they 
they drafted Justin Jefferson last year. And so they have Jefferson and Thielen. It, it always felt like just observing that situation, not really being into the weeds with Minnesota, but obviously following them closely. It, ever, it never felt like they had that third receiver. It was always like those two dudes, a good tight end, and then just like never really having that true third guy, whether it was a slot or like a, just a different type of skill set. So right. is this about finally answering that question? Do you see more 11 personnel? What's, what's kind of your thoughts here? Well, let's kind of ask her, let's be honest with ourselves about kind of team this is, right? First of all, Dalvin Cook's probably leaving after the year. He almost held out. He's in a contract year. Vikings aren't in great financial shape to be able to pay him because they continue to kick the big money season for Kirk Cousins down the road. They've restructured him now Mm -hmm. and extended him. And it's like, okay, well, Kirk's got like a $45 million a year against the cap coming up here in the near future. We are having a cap reduction in 2021. So Kirk Cousins has this kind of keep it between the lines mentality, but he's been surrounded by two stud receivers. I I think the more you can share the love and pass it around, understanding that the running game runs the risk of taking a step back. If you pass it over to Alexander Madison to be the feature back, I think this is necessary. So how did you, I I hear you. Did you even say who the pick was? Rashad Bateman. Yeah, I said it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. How do you, I have such a hard time not going to this defensive line into your defensive line. And I know – see, part of the problem is you had, you had the two big dogs yeah, coming off right Yeah, they came right, right off in front of them. And if either Jalen Twyman or Marvin Wilson would have been on the board, yeah, I'd have probably picked one of them for yeah. Minnesota. And then Barmore is just tough because we haven't seen enough. Right. Okay, I have two more questions, and I'm, I'm not sacrificing either one of them, so you're getting them both. I know okay. I said had, I had five questions for you, but I added well, one. You got six. Yeah, I have That's six. That's cool. That's cool. The hardest position to mock – in recent years for me has been safeties Mm -hmm. and in my first mock draft I had one safety going in the first round Hamsa Nasser Ladeen from Florida Mm -hmm. State Mm -hmm. you have him going very very early in the second round but you have two different safeties going in the first round yes what's the question yeah I, I guess the question is what made you what what about uh was it need was it that you like these two players what I mean I how did you feel comfortable with that because I am so uncomfortable with safeties and well, I get to I get to to Philadelphia 24 right and they took Paris Ford in the mock safety Paris Pitt. Ford is, yeah okay thanks for the people oh okay you were playing dumb with me I'm like Dude, yeah, yeah I know him? I freaking wrote up this report I know exactly <laughs> who he is I just want to make sure that as we introduce names people know who they are so once you get into the 20 specifically, you're, you're thinking about teams that are assumed to be in winning windows, right? They're, they're competitive football teams and need always kind of takes at least to some degree, depending on what your roster situation, your cap situation is a little bit more precedent and both Dallas and Philadelphia, they're not in terrible shape, but they, They've got some cap problems that they're going to have to work out. They're going to have to make some concessions. And Philly lost Malcolm Jenkins this offseason. And Dallas has desperately been flirting with high-end safeties for the last two years between Earl Thomas and Jamal Adams. They, they have been constantly sniffing around upgrading the safety room. And they've got Xavier Woods there. Uh, 
believe it's Haha is the other safety there for them, and he's on a one-year deal anyway, so he's not fixed in long-term. I looked at the cornerback room for uh, both teams, and I think both of these teams have the potential of losing personnel in the cornerback room as well. But we had Sean Wade go at 23, Tyson Campbell go at 22. We had Caleb Farley at 14. Pat Sertain the second at six. So like I didn't love I would rather if I'm gonna draft for need, and I think both Dallas and Philadelphia, their biggest needs are in the secondary on the defensive side of the ball. These felt like good scheme fits for their the style of play and, and what each was looking for. Dallas is looking for big splash. You know, they they flirted with Earl Thomas as a single high guy, they flirted with Jamal Adams as kind of a hybrid type. Well, they land Caden Stearns, who his freshman year in 2018 illustrated excellent football intelligence and a really good nose for the football and creating turnovers and creating those splash plays. And Dallas has been desperate for that for forever because you remember the big narrative from Byron Jones, who they let walk this season, as well he had two interceptions in five years. They want turnovers. They want big plays. Caden Stearns has that nose for the football, so I thought that was a good fit. And when you take into consideration they drafted Reggie Robinson and Trayvon Diggs in the, in the draft this past April, they have enough young bodies to come up through the pipelines there. That's like, okay, I'm not going to force and draft CB6 to Dallas just to draft a CB because they have some guys that are expiring contracts. I'll draft a safety that fits the mold of what they're looking for. And then you think about Philadelphia and how aggressive Jim Schwartz's defense is. And Paris Ford, one of the first words that comes to mind to describe his style of play is aggressive and violent, right? Yeah. So that it, it, they felt like good marriages of stylistic strengths while still checking the need box for teams that are competitive in the secondary. Uh, but I like those options better than anything I was going to get in the corners at this point in time. All right. Here's the burning question that I had that okay. I, I just, the saints are tough for me, man. And Always tough. You got, you got him a heck of a football player in Kyle Pitts, tight end from Florida. I just look at this saints team and you figure Drew Brees is probably done after this year. They have, negative cap space on top of negative cap space like they got a big hole to climb out of mm -hmm. they have inevitable cuts that are going to be as a result of that I look at their 2020 free agents I see these names Alvin Kamara Sheldon Rankins uh Marcus Williams the safety who's outstanding and Demario Davis in 2021 Ryan Ramchek, Teron Armstead and Marshawn Lattimore how do you how do you settle on a, a, a tight end as like with all these inevitable losses to this roster like why is this the player that you kind of feel like is necessary to start rebuilding things and this team has only made five five top 100 draft picks since 2018 I mean they've made some good ones but the volume isn't really there to replenish this roster like sell me on this on this pits pick well you you mentioned the name there in Alvin Kamara as a like I would say a likely departure for this team based on their oh, cap sure. situation Can't pay. and the value of, of the running back position. But like he had a down year last year, but he, since he's got there has been this dynamic X factor as kind of that out of the backfield, flex him out a little bit, but as a pass catcher, you know, he's really good as a runner too, but like what makes Alvin special in my opinion is the pass catching ability. As I look at, okay, are we going to move Taysom Hill from 
whatever he plays to quarterback, is he actually going to be the quarterback? Okay, that's a loss of a tight end, right? Mm -hmm. You got Adam Troutman. You've got some older bodies in there, but nothing that's special. And how are you going to replace that dynamic inside of 15 yards athletic mismatch player? And the Saints in their first two rounds got Journey Brown and they got Kyle Pitts. I think between those two guys, whoever is playing quarterback, whether it's Jameis or Taysom Hill or somebody else, that was for me how I compensated for acknowledging we're going to lose some pieces that make this offense tick outside of Drew Brees, and I have to replace those. So we talk about doubling down on your strengths right? And we talked about it with the Chiefs and drafting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And Joe, we could, we could have said the same thing. Oh, Chris Jones is an expiring contract. They're going to have to extend Patrick Mahomes. Uh, they, they just signed Frank Clark on this big deal, so they're stuck with that big deal. Uh, but they need another pass rusher opposite of him. How could you justify drafting a running back at 28 or at 32? But that's what the Chiefs did because they, they know what their team identity is. And, and for the Saints, they've made athletic tight ends work before they thrive with Jimmy Graham for a while. And Sean Payton was there for that. So that's not even like it's a different coaching staff. So I just, I looked at the Saints team identity, thought about how can we best set this up to compensate for the loss of Drew Brees, the loss of Alvin Kamara, and Kyle Pitts was the name I landed on. Last question, Kyle. He's okay. um, so Matt Rule with Carolina Panthers has uh, decided that his quarterbacks are going to wear green jerseys in practice. Why? Well, he says green means go, and he needs his health, his quarterbacks to be healthy, and so he thinks it stands out. It's what they wore at Baylor. Historically, the Panthers quarterbacks uh, have worn red practice jerseys, and then one, you know, it, they switch between blue and white for the color for offense for defense. What color would you have the Panthers practice quarterback jersey be? Red. Yeah, I feel like it's the right color. Yeah. So if if. <laughs> That's such a college coach thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to change the color of the quarterback jerseys because red conveys stop and injury. That's what I think. That would – I would – oh, don't hit that. Green means freaking hit him. Right. Well, they're not going to hit the quarterbacks anyway. But even just, just saying that, like, red is indicative of, like, you can't play on the inactive chart. Yeah. So we're not gonna we're not gonna embrace red. We're gonna embrace green because I need you guys to be active and help. Like, what color are the Dolphins quarterbacks in? Orange. Uh, red. Really? Yes, that's the standard color for quarterback jerseys. I feel like. I think so. Though the Bills are red, but it's like <laughs> kind of fits their color scheme. Right. You know yeah. No, it's you it's don't even know that every, they're in a weird uniform. Every place I've ever been, it's been red. Yeah. I'm looking at Tua's college practice pictures, and it looks like it's a black uniform. Just do well, different they, things I, in college. They, they, huh? they pro well, they probably go. That's what I mean. Ch changing right. the color of the jersey is such a, a college coach thing. Uh, well, and also, I, they're they're crimson, right? They're right. Like, so, so they're they're going to have either offense or defense that yeah. is actually red. All right. So it makes sense. All right. Well, look, we anytime you get to talk about the color of quarterback practice jerseys you got to do it so that's what you gotta that's what you come for and stay for here at draft dates right yeah <laughs> um do you, let me let me shout out a couple favorite picks here real quick all right 
uh, Trey Smith to San Francisco to play right guard, replace Mike Persons, who they waived and then cut, or uh, waived and then retired this offseason. So Trey Smith next to Mike McGlinchey. Are you kidding me? You can do some things with that. That one gets me real excited. Uh, the Patriots and Pat Fryermuth, obviously, very excited yeah, hard about that. Yeah, well, if I take the Dolphins. I, some of these Steelers fans did not like Tyler Shelvin, and I don't care. I, get, I think I gave them Shelvin, too. Or, no, I gave him to Tennessee. I can't remember. No, I think it was Pittsburgh. I uh, gave Roche to Tennessee. That's right. Marvin Wilson to Tennessee to play next to uh, Jeffrey Simmons. And then in the second round, they got Hamilcar Rashad to rush opposite of Harold Landry. That's beautiful. Yes, that is beautiful. You're right. Um, Let me get one more. I'll go Trevor Lawrence to Jacksonville just because take the best player. Good pick, man. Good I, didn't, I didn't want to thumb through the second round to find, like, another favorite pick. So, I'm like, all right, I just yeah. got to the top of the list for the first round. I'm just going to give out a shout-out to Trevor. Because we never talk about it, right? There's no reason to talk about it. Right. It's like the, it's the Joe Burrow-Cincinnati thing. Like, eventually it's like, yeah, just uh, – right, Let's start our analysis at number two. My favorite pick is uh, Caleb Farley to the Broncos. It's a good fit, right? Oh, gosh, yes. Especially because there's not a lot of long-term answers at corner for Denver. Right. You know, so I'm here for it. There you go. Thanks for the love. Thanks for listening, everybody. We trust you enjoyed this edition of the Draft Dudes podcast. As Joe said, we are live tonight on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, The Draft Network, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Takes on Takes. So if you have takes, join us, send them in. We got a couple in the deck on deck already, just in case we start slow. And, uh, if you miss it, you can listen to it tomorrow on the show, but we hope you will join us. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino signing off. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast.